God's holy and inspired word. Genesis chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month, in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him in the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. The dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive branch plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and the twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds, went forth out of the ark." And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, 
and day and night shall not cease. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. as we come to chapter 8 here in Genesis, we come to this theme of God delivering a righteous remnant out of the earth. God here in chapter 8 establishes a new order, a new creation. We have seen up to this point the two seeds, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent at odds, at enmity. And as out of that seed of the serpent comes that generation of those who had rebelled against God. But even within that line of Seth, that righteous line, there were those who had turned away from the living God. And yet God had promised that he would judge the earth with water. So he comes and envelops the entirety of the earth in water. And as we see there in chapter 7, and this account of the Noahic covenant covers chapters 7 through 9, but we see God wiping out the entirety of the earth, not just as some commentators and scholars say, just a small segment of the earth. That would not have really uh, given any indication of God's wrath, but God covered the entirety of the earth with water, showing that He is a holy and wrathful God. And so as we come to our passage this morning, I want us first of all to look at verses 1 through 5 where we see the preservation of Noah. God restores the earth after the flood. We see that Adam is made the head and the representative of the entire human race. And now Noah is made the head of a second race. Here in the Noahic Covenant... Under the old administration, we see the preservation of a remnant. And so in that Noahic covenant, we have that that theme of preservation. So the first part of this chapter has this theme of creation. God has destroyed the earth in judgment. But now he saves Noah and his family. This is the theme of the Old Testament, that out of judgment... God begins to renew or recreate the earth. If you look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see this reoccurring theme of God creating the heavens and the earth, and then he will create and recreate all things and make them new. And so as we come to verse 1, we see here, wonderful promise, God remembered Noah. Here is grace under the Noahic covenant. Here when it says God remembered, it's not telling us that God forgot something, that God is absent-minded as some of us can often be. But here, God remembers Noah. God cannot forget because he knows everything. He cannot learn But to remember here means two things, particularly for Noah and his family, that God is faithful to his covenant with man, and second of all, his move toward the objects of his mercy 
is what he has in mind. And so not only does God make promises to Noah, as he does to Abraham and all of those patriarchs under the administration of the Old Testament, so he makes a promise. And in that promise, he draws a people unto himself, but he moves toward those objects of his mercy. And this is particularly important as we understand the working of God's salvation, even in the Old Testament, that no man can make so much as one slight step toward God because his heart is far from God. And yet the Lord God in his mercy draws near to whosoever he will. And so here we see the the wonderful working of God's grace in the life of Noah and his family. But also it says that he remembered every living thing, the cattle that was with him in the ark. Here we are reminded that not only does God act in mercy and grace toward a remnant or a people, but he also shows kindness and benevolence to all of his creatures. Here as we look at this text, we are reminded that Noah brought every living creature on that ark. And God shows benevolence and kindness to all of his creatures, reminding us that we are to subdue all things God has created, and we are to rule over creation. There in the end of that verse, it says that God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters were assuaged. In other words, the waters were caused to subside or they were caused to hold back. And here we see a glimpse of that working of creation there in that phrase, God made a wind pass over the earth. Just as God breathed life into that object that he had created from the dust of the earth. So here we find that God by his spirit causes a wind to pass over the earth. And so here we see that wonderful picture of creation. That God sends a wind to stop the flooding. The use of the wind recovers the earth. The psalmist in Psalm 104, verse 4, says that God makes the winds his messengers. And so, God in his wonderful grace unto Noah and his family shows mercy by causing a wind to pass over and stop the waters that are rising. A wonderful reminder to us, as we saw in Genesis 1, that it is all of God's doing. It is all of God's work of creation. But there in verse 2, he refers to the fountains also of the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped. We don't have time to go into all the particulars, but this picture of the fountains of the deep is something that we saw back in chapter 7 and verse 11 where Moses records there that in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and all the windows of heaven 
were opened. And so here we see that the fountains of the great deep were broken up. Those reservoirs of water were opened up and the rain fell upon the earth. That word deep in scripture oftentimes refers to the ocean. In Genesis 1-2, it says that he caused a great deep to come upon the earth. It speaks here of a great subterranean reservoir or chamber deep inside the earth. There in creation, God preserved the water. Amazing in our day when we're conserved, concerned about saving water. And yet God has stored all the water in that reservoir. All of this water was poured out at the same time. He closes the floodgates and all those sources of water are closed up. Here we see that all weather patterns are under his control. There's no need for concern about global change or global warming or climate change. For God is the one who controls the elements of nature. But notice that God restrained the waters. Verse 3, the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. The waters were indeed stopped. And so a wonderful reminder of God's kindness unto Noah and his family that he showed mercy and grace unto him. But verse 4 shows here that the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventh day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. The mountains, plural, refers to that chain of mountains which most Geologists would say are probably the highest mountains in all the earth. But you remember how much water initially was poured out upon the earth? I said last week, two and a half feet. But that water begins to rise quite quickly. And as it rose, the waters went as high as the mountain peaks of Ararat. And it is there where the ark rested where God stopped the waters. Here, as it says the ark rested, we see this picture of salvation coming to Noah and his house. It is the theme of salvation throughout the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament in the book of Acts, that God saves households. Noah rested, ironically, on the same day, as Christ rose again, the seventh day of the seventh month. And so as the waters rose to the tops of Mount Ararat, that mountain range, which is 17,260 feet high, that amount of water was suddenly dissipated and all the earth, was no longer covered in water. And as we see God preserving Noah, that's a lot of water. You can't envision anything sustaining that water. 
All of life was destroyed. Every living creature was wiped out. And yet that ark sustained the flooding for five months. And God showed in that covenant with Noah that he preserves a people by his own grace. But secondly, in verses 6 through 19, we see the patience of Noah. As we see the patience of Noah here, we see that theme of rest seen in this account. Verse 6, it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. As I said, the ark was like a casket. It was a box. And as he opened the window, it was on the top of the ark, and it was almost like a hatch. And so as he opened that hatch and looked out to see what had happened, he suddenly sent forth a raven which went, that went to and fro. And so here in this account, we see rest. Verse 6, we see rest. We see verse 9, this theme of rest. But as Noah sent out a raven, a raven is an unclean animal by Old Testament standards. It's an unclean bird. It will eat anything. It's a scavenger. And so he sent out the raven. Notice God preserved all of the animals on the ark. And so there were two ravens, male and female. Two doves taken, male and female, so that they could reproduce after their kind. And so he sent the raven to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. And it says he sent a dove to see if the waters were stopped from off the face of the ground. Two doves were taken on the ark, again male and female. And we see that the dove, being clean, animal, does not fly high. But notice in the text, she comes back to Noah. And he takes her and pulls her into the ark. And he waits seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove out of the ark. You see the patience of Noah. I mean, how long did he take to build that boat, to build that ark? How long were they in that ark? How long did he have to wait? Seven days. They sent forth a dove. The dove came to him. Notice what was in her mouth there in verse 11, an olive leaf, indicating that even though she does not fly high, she found... In that flooded earth, in olive leaf, that she brought back to Noah. How God in his wonderful wisdom causes that bird to bring to Noah that olive leaf. And so stayed seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return. And so here we see... But Noah waited, and he waited. And then, verse 16, he went forth. Go forth, God said unto him, Thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee, and bring forth 
every living thing. Just as you see them going into the ark, so now they come out of that ark of safety. And they all come upon the earth. And it says there at the end of verse 17, he brings forth all of those living creatures out of the ark that they might breed abundantly in the earth. That they might be fruitful and multiply. Noah went forth, him and his sons and his sons and his sons' wives. And every living creature went out of the ark. Here in verse 17, we see that creation mandate that was given in Genesis 1 and 2 to fill the earth with the glory of God. And so those animals Noah would have for his own benefit and he would rule over them. But thirdly, we see in verses 20 through 22 the priority of Noah. As Noah came out of that ark, what, he, what did he do? The first thing he did was build an altar unto the Lord God. Noah showed his gratitude and his thanksgiving unto God. And therefore he built an altar. The Hebrew word for altar means a place of slaughter. A place of sacrifice. God gave Noah the prescribed sacrifice. Noah didn't bring what he wanted to bring, as Cain did, but he brought what God commanded. He took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered the burnt offerings on the altar. And notice here that as he offered these clean animals, there were extra animals taken on the ark that he might give the sacrifice that God described prescribed. There in verse 21, we see here that God smelled that sweet savor. Wait a minute. These are animals that are being burned. These are foul. How could that be a sweet savor? And yet it was a sweet savor to God because it was what he prescribed. And it showed that he had brought Noah and preserved him. And so we see the promise that God makes that he would not curse the ground again. But notice the language of verse 21. He says that he will never bring, doesn't say that he will never bring judgment to the earth. It says he will never smite any living creature. He will not do as he had done. And so here we see that God, even though he brought destruction upon the earth, he showed his mercy and his grace unto Noah and his family. And then it concludes with verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease from the earth. Here the Lord promises that while the earth remains, there will be this continual season, this rhythm of life, this rhythm of day and night. Yes, some of us do not like winter. Some of us prefer summer. And yet God has brought all of those seasons 
and all of that rhythm of life into his creation. And again, we see that God creates all things for his glory. Oh, how sometimes we can read through those historical accounts of the Old Testament and overlook the fact that God, even under Noah, showed his mercy and his grace. Just as that sacrifice was offered upon the altar, Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that Christ is our altar. The church has no altar because Christ is the altar. He is the sacrifice, and it is Him and Him alone that we find mercy. Outside of Christ, there is no mercy. Outside of His grace, man has no mercy. And yet here in Christ, we find that God not only preserves a remnant, but shows His grace and His mercy to all of His people. Let us sing to the glory of our God, Psalm 105a. O thank the Lord, and on His name call. Amen.